This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Welcome to the Weekly Wrap, the week in news and what's coming up. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's been a little while, Claire. It's been a minute, hasn't it? Like six weeks. No, five or four weeks. Yeah, five or six weeks. Yeah. I reckon. Probably close to that. Uh, of course, we've had the squeeze today. We've had squeeze shortcuts. That's been back for four weeks. But here in News Club, we've got a show that we've had over the last month, the year ahead. We hope you've enjoyed that. We mm. certainly enjoyed doing it. But yeah, it's been a while since the last weekly wrap. It has. If you missed it, feel free to get very excited that we're back and share it with all your mates. It certainly can't hurt. We haven't been on holidays though, Claire. We've been doing a bit of work on News Club, which is a new podcast coming next week. Yeah, so more on that later. Isn't that a tease? Uh, But for now, the news. We've got tax changes, big one to kick off in 2024, isn't it? It just warms you up. Taylor Swift is going absolutely nowhere. She's been in the news for a few reasons this week. Alongside a Victorian MP, we're talking AI, Claire, plus the latest on what's what in the Middle East. And you have a few sports people you'd really like to bring to people's attention. Tori Lewis, just park that in your brain for a second. Some shark-related recommendations of the ocean variety and the political kind too. What a way to start (laughs) the year. Let's get into it. Claire, for those who may not know, the squeeze actually started with a daily newsletter, which is now sent to tens of thousands of people each weekday. It has news, plenty of links, and each week in the weekly wrap, we take a look at what the most clicked link was. It's usually a bit of fun. This week, it was to a story about how the coastal grandma trend may be over. I'm wondering, Kate, whether you clicked on this one a couple of thousand times. (laughs) (laughs) No, not that it's over. Anyone who listened to our year ahead interview with Lauren Sams will know I'm a big fan of coastal grandma. It's beige and white. Yep. And that's pretty much neutrals. It. Neutrals. Think yeah. neutrals. And look, back when I worked with a guy from the Netherlands, he just could not understand for the life of him why Australian women dress in neutrals in black because we're such a bright, colourful, open mm. sky country. And it's like you dress such drab colours. Well, that's what this article was about. It was about that grandmas are upset. Our grandmas are upset that there's a trend now that says that they all have to wear this sort of fashion and they actually like to embrace colour. I, for one, would like to wear more colour okay. uh, in 2024. That was one of my goals. Do you so want me to hold you to account on that or is it just an It's not looking good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we're in February now, so don't hold me to it, please. <laughs> um, Claire, the biggest story this week and last week possibly was tax cuts. Yeah, there's a few contenders, but we really can't go past the stage three tax cut conversations. It's been bubbling away this week. It really splashed last week. It's going to be big next week, so it's a good one to get into. Sounds like the weekly wraps. Perfect story. (laughs) It does sound dull, of course, but it affects a lot of us. Let me set the scene. The previous coalition government legislated a series of tax changes with the support of Labor. Very important point. Labor supported those changes. The idea of these changes was to level out our income tax rates so that earning more was Mm incentivised, basically. The idea being this would attract a competent workforce, ultimately encourage aspiration. This was done in three stages. Mm. The first and second stages lowered the bills, the tax that was owed by lower and middle income earners. That happened a couple of years ago, Mm. two or three years ago. As for stage three, 
just take a deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> um, it would have created a single 30% income tax rate for people earning between $145,000 and $200,000 a year. And that meant that if you were at the top of that bracket, you would actually get a bit more than $9,000 a year off your tax bill. And that's the part that just over a week ago, Anthony Albanese reneged on. Yeah. He rejigged it all. So in a nutshell, those on lower and middle incomes get a bigger tax cut. High incomes still get a tax cut, but they just don't get as much as they thought they were getting. About half. About half. The Prime Minister says it will be better for the majority. You're itching to talk the numbers, Claire. I'm being very vague, <laughs> but talk the numbers. Look, we won't go through too many because it's a bit head spinning, but mm. a couple of numbers just to illustrate that point about that political calculation anyway. Mm. There are 1.8 million high-income earners who won't get that tax cut that they were promised, but 12.5 million low- and middle-income earners who will be better off. It's still a broken promise, though, and historically Aussies don't love broken promises. And this is where the politics really comes into it. It opens up an avenue for the opposition to discredit the government to the Australian people. I guess lean into and this is where it's interesting for me, this heartland philosophy, which is to be a country of lifters, not leaners. Who said that, Claire? <laughs> that would be Treasurer Joe Hockey. <laughs> that was a little while ago now and more on that later. We've all been reminded of that recently with mm. the program on ABC. So the idea being less reliance on the personal income tax of the more wealthy. The shadow treasurer, Angus Taylor, said a lot about this this week. He said it's a disincentive for people to have a go. They're his words. That's the quote. So you can see how this is lining up up as a political lever for the coalition. We've got a broken promise. We've got a line in the sand between the two parties on their values. Indeed. And the other element to all of this is that whilst an amendment to the legislation does need to go before the parliament, there's some wrangling to mm. do on that. Um, Labor can't get it through the Senate alone. They can get it through the House of Reps because they've got a majority there and that's why they're in government. But in the Senate, they don't have a majority. They need the support from the coalition, which of course is That'd be ideal. A conversation. Yeah. Um, if they don't get that, they need the support of the Greens and at least two other crossbenchers. Lots of wrangling. Lots of wrangling and we're heading into the first parliamentary sitting week of the year. As it stands right now, the coalition has been very critical, as I just outlined. They say Albanese's broken trust with voters. On the actual changes, though, they didn't get into the guts of that. They say they'll consider their position once they see the legislation. Rumour has it they might send it through. Indeed, that is definitely the conversation because how can you deny low and middle income earners twelve and a half cost of living people. support when things are really, really difficult at the moment? But of course, it does break trust with those higher income earners. So we need to wait and see exactly how the coalition might square them away. Exactly. As for the Greens, they've also held back from supporting the tax cut change. They said their sticking point complete opposite end from the mm. coalition, as you would expect, was that the changes... Yeah, surprise. <laughs> oh, what a surprise. Would still hand back 4500 to the wealthiest and that money would be better off in the hands of low-income Australians. Albanese, what has he said? Well, he said Labor's changes were sensible, they benefit the majority of Australians, but he remains open to negotiations. It's a classic political arm wrestle, this one. It's a classic issue, tax reform and... High income, low income, middle income. Get ready to hear a lot more about middle Australians, though. Oh, we haven't even touched on the Dunkley by-election, but we've got <laughs> weeks to do that. Oh, how exciting is that? Bring on the week in Parliament for now. <laughs> now that we've talked tax, it's time to talk Taylor Swift, Claire. Oh, obviously. Obviously. For anyone out there who is Taylor Swifted out, there are plenty of people. <laughs> I think we might have even had emails from people about that. 
it's pretty tough luck because oh. she is going to be in the news a lot. Look, I'm a little bit Taylor Swifted out and I really like her. Yeah, I'm a little bit Taylor Swifted out. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, pace yourself because she's going to be in the news a lot, of course, heading to Australia of very, course, very yeah, soon. Yeah, February, her concert. There's not many times when you can say that someone or something is absolutely 100% going to be in the news, <laughs> but I think this is a pretty safe bet. Um, there's three reasons. The first one is that she's going to be here, so yep. that's the thing. The other reason is her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, will be playing in the Super Bowl on Monday the 12th of February. If she's there, it will be huge. If she isn't there, it'll still be huge. <laughs> and imagine if she was the halftime entertainment for that guy. I actually, I to, I actually <laughs> thought that. Heads would literally explode. Don't you think people would then think that's a conspiracy that they're even going out if she's the entertainment? and yeah, like, how much is the NFL paying yeah, her for all of this? She is not the entertainment. It's no, Usher. It's Usher this year. <laughs> I know, which just feels a bit random, but anyway. I loved Usher back in the day. Kind of let it burn. Okay. You know, right. you, know. you old yeah. softie. I mean, he, but he had like those. Anyway, Usher was great. Um, that is not what we're talking about. We need to talk about AI, because the third reason she'll be in the news a lot is because she's at the heart of a conversation about the perils and the dangers of AI. Yeah, and over the last couple of weeks, there have been AI-generated fake and explicit images of her that were circulated across multiple social media mm. platforms, shared millions of times. Millions and millions, 47 million times, yeah. something more, 147, lots. And even after those platforms tried to throttle those images to try and take them down and try and make sure that they weren't able to be shared, still it's happening. Yeah, it's um, it's not something that's obviously only happened to Taylor Swift. This happens to people and exactly. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about another example in a minute, but um, Swifties mm. have come out in force. The White House has gotten involved saying there needs to be laws to criminalise the creation of deep fake images. It's scary stuff. Of course, politicians in the US have an interest in this because there's an election coming up and mm. they're very concerned about how those kind of tools might be weaponised against political candidates. Mm. Um, Australia, we had our own mini version of this this week when Nine published an image of a Victorian politician which had been digitally altered. Mm. Uh, it was of the Victorian Animal Justice Party MP Georgie Purcell. Um, they used it in the intro to a story on duck hunting. Is that relevant? Well, I'm just like that's why she was in the news. Okay, There's got an it. animal yeah. justice person. I like the details. Okay, yeah, no, Talking. no. Okay, all and right. duck hunting is a big issue for some people. <laughs> for another podcast. Exactly. <laughs> and look, what happened was they took a, a, a photo of her in a white dress. The photo that they used was cropped to just under her boobs. Mm. And what they did was they used some technology that actually allows you to like drag the image down and AI makes up the missing bit. So yeah. it took a guess at what her, her under her boobs, her waist might look like. Yeah. And in the end it looked sexed up is yeah. probably the only way to put it. If you're interested in how that might have happened because uh, obviously Nine has its version and um, they've, blamed Adobe, it's gone back and forth and mm. there's been a whole thing. Um, the ABC's pulled apart Nine's technical response. We'll put a link to that in your episode notes. But but it sort of concludes that it would have required human intervention to produce an image like that. Yeah, Nine is sort of pointed saying it's an automated process, but the technology people say, no, someone would have had to have driven that. Georgie Purcell herself has said, look, I'm glad this has come to light. I'm glad we're having this conversation. I accept their apology. They, yeah. they did unreservedly apologise for the image, but it's just 
goes to the heart of this conversation and how we tackle this and how our legislators tackle it's this. It's like we're getting these little alarm bells, isn't All the there? Time. These yeah. little sort of indications of where this might go. And look, it feels like this week big tech has been in the news for other mm. reasons and the ongoing conversation about a theme this year around big technology and how it's more and more impacting our lives. Um, of course, the social media companies and their safety policies. We had Google and Microsoft with their financial results. And of course, they're going ahead on the back of AI. Yeah. There's lots to consider. It's going to be a big theme this year. I think I might have predicted that. No. Did I? Maybe that... a couple of years ago. I don't know. You can own it. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it's coming true, it's Kate, not, whatever it is. It's not a good It's obviously going to be big this year. Sure. Um, another big news Kate, story this Kate, week. unique insight. <laughs> I'm so clever. <laughs> another big news story this week continues to be the conflict in the Middle East, of course. There are so many, as we say, every single weekly wrap. There are a million parts to this. One of the stories of last week has been claims workers from the United Nations Agency, the Relief and Works Agency, was involved in the seven of October attacks on Israel. This is a this is a big one. I don't think I'd quite comprehended even until I sat down late in the week to understand how big that agency is. Mm. So it employs about 13,000 people in Gaza. It's been around since 1948 with the purpose of providing humanitarian assistance for displaced Palestinians. So it's been around a long time and part of the infrastructure, I mm. guess, of that conflict between Israel and Palestinian people. Um, Israel is no fan of that agency and it said at the end of last week that it reckoned about 12 staffers took part in those attacks. Yeah, there are other claims about this official UN body employing people who are supporters of Hamas's terrorist actions. Israel considers it a front for Hamas, so it's a hot potato and mm. it's seen countries, including Australia, so comes back home suspending their funding. Late in the week, Foreign Minister Penny Wong said the government's kind of rethinking that. And she put some numbers around this because, of course, it is a really hot issue. Mm. Um, she said 1.4 million Palestinians are sheltering at that agency's facilities. Um, and keep in mind, Gaza's population is a bit over 2 million. So they're actually sheltering most of the Palestinian population in Gaza at the moment. Yeah, she talked about the crucial work they do in the distribution of aid. She said the UN reckons 400,000 Palestinians in Gaza are starving and a million are at risk of starvation. In addition to Australia, 11 nations have suspended their funding. Claire, you wanted to mention a couple of sporting achievements. I really did. And I want to talk about some Aussie women. You sure do. Yeah. So on Sunday... I was doing the news run and was very delighted to clock that two women are doing some really great things. Jakara Anthony. You've got to know who Jakara Anthony is. Okay. She's an absolute legend. She won her 10th World Cup gold of the season in the United States doing the moguls. That's the bumpy yeah, downhill race. Downhill ski. That's my on very skis. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's my very technical explanation of moguls. She's like classic Australian style. She's from Cairns. Oh wow. <laughs> she lives in Barwon Heads in as much as she lives in Australia. She's probably touring and skiing all the time. Mm -hmm. It's a really beachy Victorian town. She's one of the best female skiers in the world at the moment. And then there's Tori Lewis. Tori Lewis. She ran the fastest 100 metres time ever recorded by an Australian woman. That happened last weekend. She beat Melissa Breen's all-time record of 11.11 .11 seconds. She beat it by a – because she did 11.10. She did 11.10. Wow. Yeah. So she beat it just. Just. <laughs> She's still the fastest. Yeah. <laughs> but I was amazed to read that Raylene Boyle, yes, who was also our fastest at one point in time, ran 11.20. Yep. She ran 11.20. So she, how fast was she 
that long ago. Well, she, that's wow. why she was she was the best in the world Amazing. in those days. Yeah. yeah, and she's got such a great story, Raylene Ball. Sorry, it's not about Raylene Ball. No. It's about Tori Lewis. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But for Tori, she needs to clock 11.7 just to qualify for the Olympics, okay. just to give you a sense about where the rest of the world is at. Mm-hmm. Um, fingers crossed for her. She's just 19 years old. It's all ahead of her. You never know. Brisbane to 2032. Well, it should be 27. She could, should be building to that. There you go. Coming up this week, Claire, on Monday, it's the Grammys. Did I mention Taylor Swift would be in the news for a while? (laughs) She's up for a heap of awards. Yeah, she's up for all of the really big ones. And, Kate, I've got a bit of a bone to pick. Okay. So she's going to move heaven and earth to get to the Super Bowl, right? Is she, though? Do we know that? Yes, we do. According to all of the media reports, she's absolutely going to. Okay, all right. And I believe everything I read Because she's going to be in Japan She's got to come from Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Travis Kelsey, though, isn't going with her to the Grammys. Isn't he? No, he is not. Oh. He's in the country. Because he's preparing for the Super Bowl? Because he's preparing for the Super Bowl. Maybe she doesn't want him to go. Well, look, I just, I'm just making the point. Okay, well, you know what? On Monday, as I said, it's the Grammys. It's also National Weather Person's Day. Mm. Shout out to all the meteorologists out there. And, Claire, on the weather, it's been a real ride for parts of Queensland this summer. Lots of rain. (laughs) It really has been. Um, North Brisbane is in clean-up mode at the moment. They Mm. got lots, like so much rain last weekend. Um, North Western Queensland is getting absolutely hammered at the moment. So we're talking about towns like Birdsville just being completely shut off. Um, Cyclone Kiralee, what's happened is that that's still a storm system and it's still dumping a whole bunch of rain that's going very slowly. So if you're up that way, we're thinking of you. Remember how we were going to have a long, hot summer? Yes. Not shout wet. out. Yeah, I, which is why I, I don't think you're being sarcastic at all with the shout out to the national weather people. They've not come under pressure at all. I gen- No, I'm not because <laughs> it's been, and I mean, this is one of the stories that we didn't get to talk about because we were on a break, but mm. um, the bomb and their predictions has been a whole thing because they did get it quite wrong. Yeah. Um, and that has a lot of impacts on people, like tangible impacts on people. Um, So, yeah, if you are in the weather business, it's been a bit of a time. It's been a bit of a time. And, of course, if you're um, affected by any of those rains, we're certainly thinking of you. We know we have lots of people who listen to our podcast from Queensland. Tuesday we've talked about Parliament. That will be back then. We haven't talked about interest rates. It's the first Tuesday of February, Claire. Interest rate announcements are back. (laughs) Woohoo! Oh, boy. And look, inflation's down. So talk has turned to cuts, interest rate cuts. By all accounts, don't expect that on Tuesday. Yeah, that's what all those in the know are saying, but you never know. Let's wait and see. Um, The press club this week is Professor Alan Fells, important because he used to be the chair of the ACCC, so he's done a few rounds with the supermarkets. Yep. Claire, that's also been a big story. It has been a very big story. Of course, we started the year talking about the pressure on the supermarkets, being under a lot of pressure from the government to talk about why you're paying X at the Mm. farm gate, but consumers are paying Y and what the difference is. Um, Grocery prices are really under scrutiny at the moment. The government has a review going. They're looking into the Code of Conduct, um, which is overseeing food and grocery operations. It's a really hot topic. It is. So he'll be talking about that. On Thursday, James Arape is coming to Australia. He'll be addressing the parliament, the first Prime Minister of Papua New Guinea to address the Australian parliament. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Um, Lots going on in Papua New Guinea. Yeah, so this week um, PNG's foreign minister floated the prospect of signing a security and policing pact with China. 
set the hairs racing. Yeah. Can you imagine working at, I mean, would it be DFAT or oh, yeah. one of those? I mean, I'm sure people, yeah, yeah. As a, again, I'm sure there's people listening who know a lot more about this than me, but, but it would have been like, oh. Yeah. And the reason for that is in recent memory, of course, we talked a lot about the Solomon Islands doing a lot more with China. Um, what really set them down that path was signing a security and policing yeah. pact with China. So the idea that China's military could have access to ports just next to us isn't something that our country really wants to see. Uh, for Anthony Albanese's part, he says that we're great friends with PNG. We can have these conversations in a really mature way. Yeah, it's all okay, but certainly lots to talk about. Claire, this section of the podcast is the section reserved for our advertising partners. We had some great brands on board last year, but we're looking for more. We're looking for more. So here we are advertising ourselves. (laughs) This is an ad to advertise with us. It's our version of a sandwich board or a billboard that says your brand could be here. I'd prefer to be a billboard than a sandwich board because the sandwich board is rather hard walking around the streets. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Come and advertise with us. We love doing work with brands. Our listeners love to hear from you as well. Yeah. It's a really great place to get your message across. Yeah, we should get T-shirts your brand could be here or something. I don't know. But anyway, this is our ad for ads. Squeeze recommends this week. One of the big stories of the week, Claire, was the shark attack in Sydney Harbour. It's probably bigger overseas than even here. It's Mm. one of those ones that, you know, goes around the world because, whoa, Mm. there are sharks in Sydney Harbour. That just reinforces this idea that Australia is full of sharks and snakes and spiders and all of that. Um, The 29-year-old who was attacked, Lauren O'Neill, is going to be okay. So that ended well. Yeah. As you told listeners of the Squeeze Today podcast this week, it was literally just down the road from where you live. Yeah, I'm not trying to find a random association to this story. It literally is like 300 metres sort yeah. of down the hill. So yeah, it certainly heard all of the ambulances and there were helicopters above. It was really quite a thing. Um of course, a lot of fascination with what happens in Sydney Harbour because it's so unexpected. Mm. We've had shark attacks over the summer um, that haven't had so much attention, but her story and exactly exactly this science of sharks coming into those sorts of waters and why that's the case, it was a really big story this week, like a four-day, five-day story. Oh, I am uh, wary. I'm a keen ocean swimmer, as you know. I am wary of sharks. I am fascinated by sharks. So I read everything. What I am recommending this week was an article actually written 11 years ago in nine newspapers, which interviewed other shark attack survivors. Very motivating reading. A lot of them Mm. now working in conservation and working Mm. with sharks. And there's some science about that. So as a key personnel risk, you don't swim at dusk or dawn? I don't swim alone. I don't swim at dusk that or dawn. That doesn't answer my question. Uh, I do swim at dawn, yeah, from okay. time to time in Sydney Harbour. Oh, yeah, I hope our insurers aren't listening um, to this. But I don't go out very deep, I'll okay. tell you that much. <laughs> um, speaking of predators. Yes, nemesis on ABC TV. That was quite a thing. Um, it's the series about the former coalition government and how the Abbott, Turnbull, Morrison turnovers all went down. Um, the first episode was out on Monday and it was about the Abbott era. Yeah, so there's two more. Uh, Monday night will focus a lot on the Turnbull government, I yep. imagine. 
both you and I enjoyed watching it. Obviously, we're closer to it than most, but um, if you if you like politics, it's certainly worth a go. We put all these recommendations in your episode notes. One other from me, I wanted to recommend a podcast by The Front. They interview Yoni Bashan. He's the only Aussie journalist to go into Gaza since the October 7 attacks. What was interesting for me, Claire, and I think um, for keen news observers is his explanation on how these visits by journalists into war areas happens. They call it an embed. He goes in with the IDF, the Israeli Defence Force, and then he talks about what he's allowed to report on, what he has to show them, what he doesn't, and how he negotiates that. And it's just a sort of it lifts the lid on the, the making of the news. Yeah, so interesting. Because of course, as a journalist, you can't just go to these places and wander around and see what you find. Um, there's a level of protection that yeah. they need and embedding with the military is the way to do that. So, yeah, super interested. Thank you for that. I'll have a listen to that on the weekend. Squeeze Press News Club launches week after next proper. But we're going to put out an episode on Tuesday, Claire, which um, talks to our approach to news, our background in news, why we started the squeeze and why we're launching News Club. You and I had this conversation, you had this great idea that we really should do this because it's easy for us to assume that you know us, you know where we've come from and what we've done. Um, It's a good opportunity to just sort of pause and talk about, so this is where we're going to, this is where we're coming from. Uh, And of course, News Club is going to be a really conversational channel, um, getting into the guts of the news. So understanding our background a little bit will be bit helpful I think. we It's not our natural state Um, but but, um, (laughs) with News Club what we'll want is for you to share so we'll share as well and um, hopefully you find the story of the squiz interesting. Look out for that on Tuesday in the News Club feed. 